Battel for Kids is proud to present the EdSpark podcast with Dr. Karen Garza. Battel for Kids is a national not-for-profit organization with the mission of realizing the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. I think you really set the stage nicely for my next question for you, and that is, you know, you're, you are personally passionate about this work, it's obvious. You've led this work successfully in another district, which, by the way, I will tell you, they're still moving ahead with the work. And I think that's something that's very satisfying from a superintendent perspective is when the work continues after you leave. Um, that means it went deeper, deep. Yes. You know, and that's so cool, Melvin. So congratulations on that. Absolutely. Uh, that they're continuing the work. But so you, you've done this well. How are you thinking about your new district, Montgomery County Public Schools? You know, yeah. a district that you described earlier does have some unique and different challenges. Yeah. How, how are you thinking about kind of getting, establishing organizational readiness, getting people kind of bringing hearts and minds together mm-hmm. around this work, whether it's your leadership team, uh, your board, how are you thinking about um, getting them kind of bringing them along with the work? We've been teasing it out throughout the school year um, in different ways. We've um, dipped our toe into Portrait of an Educator. We've talked about Portrait of a Graduate with an understanding that our folks have to get a basic understanding of the foundational pieces necessary for our kids to be successful, and we have to build that. So what's happening currently, we're in the midst of a curriculum audit right now, uh, this week, as a matter of fact, um, where we're get, get, having an outside agency come in and look at all of the salient pieces of our district and how well we're doing those things. Uh, that work is going to inform how we go about addressing the next stage of our community engagement, and that is our work on Portrait of a Graduate. Um, I am excited about getting our business folks, our, our chamber, our civic leaders, our community, our parents, uh, PTAs. I'm excited about getting them involved in conversations that don't center around problems. They center around mm-hmm. future. Um, so I'm excited about what that work can look like. And I think that's a way to really do some healing, some historical healing about what we've been, what we are and what we want to be. The struggle I've had here is getting people to think with a future orientation to say, okay, what do we want this to look like in 10 to 15 to 20 years? We do a really good job of naming a problem and then watching it, talking about it, but not necessarily addressing it. Um, So I'm excited about how that's going to give us an opportunity to really plan for the future and have folks be part of that process. I think there's a significant portion of our community who's felt shut out of certain conversations. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get them in the room so we can have real conversations about future stuff, uh, not just about the issue that happened last week at one of our high schools, that kind of thing. Um, Getting them involved in conversations that show them that education does not have to simply be about math, English, science, and social studies. It's about how we build character. It's about how we build future. It's about how the school district and the community can intervene uh, with each other to make sure everyone's taken care of in a positive way. Um, And I'm really excited to get them to be part of those conversations. Uh, There are some folks here who probably, and, and probably rightfully so, think some of those same types of conversations haven't taken place since the 60s with the civil rights movement. Uh, much of that history in between since then gets lost. We don't, you know, we, we talk about the civil rights era and, and the impact it's had on the world, but then you take 68 to 2023, what's happened in between? And how does that uh, show up in our schools and in our community? Um, I'm excited to make that part of our work so that now we can say, okay, well, what is the next thing we want to be? Um, 
Our school district has struggled in many ways over the course of the past 30 years for various numbers of reasons, uh, from integration to segregation to financial uh, strife to um, white flight in our community, things of that nature. So there are a lot of iterations of issues that have taken place in Montgomery. I'm excited to actually take all of that and work on what our future is going to be and how we can learn from those experiences and not just live in those experiences. Those things happen. We can't go back and undo them. They are what they are. But how do we use that to build what the future is going to be? And this gives us an opportunity to have those types of conversations, uh, not just about you know what teaching and learning looks like on a daily basis. It's, it's so much bigger than that. Um, I think it can change our entire community culture if we do it the right way and get the right people in the room so they feel they're part of the process. Uh, so that portrait work is really, really important. And that's going to jumpstart our next phase of, of transformation, which will be our new strategic plan, which will start after we finish the portrait work. Uh, so it's going to be a key cog in how we go about changing school culture and changing community culture. And that that gets me excited. I love, Melvin, the way you just described that. And I'm just going to emphasize a couple of points that you make just, just for a second. You know, I think so many school system leaders can relate to how you described how our community, uh, our school system um, can get so mired in kind of just admiring problems, right? Mm -hmm. And focusing in on problems. And and you described that so well that, you know, we got to take care of the problems. There's no doubt about that. It's not ignoring the problems, but it's what, what are you, how are you focusing your time and energy predominantly, mm -hmm. right? And it, you know, you talk about really wanting to get the entire community to really be shifting their focus on the future. And I really just think that is so important. I do think um, how you describe that the portrait of a graduate can be very inspirational and empowering um, and, and kind of a hopeful message that sometimes people need. That we're Absolutely missing. true. Absolutely. Um, there's so much negativity about the, out there about education. Uh, and we deal with certainly our share, fair share of that here in Montgomery. This is an opportunity for us to be inspirational and aspirational at the same time. Uh, aspirational pieces have not driven um, how we've conducted our work. And uh, I think that's the, the, the next thing that's needed in order to boost us to the level we want to go to. Um, you know, being a state capital here in Alabama, we should be foremost in the conversations about whatever takes place or whatever's discussed in education. And for a number of years now, we have not been that. We've been um, kind of second thought. We've been, uh, I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say laughingstock. That's not, I think that's a little extreme, but we certainly have not been prominent in those conversations. We've been more criticized than anything else. I want us to be at the table leading and being part of those conversations that transform what Alabama looks like in terms of education. Uh, we lag behind the nation in many ways, and um, those are things that need to change. Why not happen here? Why, why not? Why not start that work here? Mm -hmm. um, there's no reason we can't be that prominent in that conversation. And I'm fortunate in that. Um, in my eight months here, we've started to be part of those conversations. Uh, I think um, we, when people want to have ideas about, you know, what they might want to implement or uh, give an idea of what they're trying to do in their district, they're coming to see some of the practices we're putting in place. Um, I was just pointed to the Governor's Commission on Teaching and Learning, which is geared toward changing what Alabama education looks like in the future. Those things, those opportunities didn't happen for us before. Um, being a member of the Ed Leader 21 network and other networks now that 
give us a view, gives gives us a, a voice, and also gives us an opportunity to see other things that are out there, I think is going to change the game for us. So I, I'm really excited about that. So Melvin, how are you, um, I know you're leading up to developing a portrait graduate in your system. How are you bringing your district team, your leaders, and your board along with you? How, how have you been uh, developing their capacity and understanding around this work? The way we've done that thus far is we've talked more so about um, tenants that we want all of us to have um, in terms of how we build the work. So I want them to have a desire and a thirst for, uh, okay, how can we learn to be more collaborative? How can we be more globally oriented? I want them to understand how those concepts change. And then once we kick in with the planning, the real planning for actually putting in place our portrait of a graduate and our portrait of an educator, they're going to think back to the things they thought about for the past couple of months. Uh, so now those things will be foremost in their minds, as opposed to this being uh, an exercise that we do just to create this graphic that sits on the shelf. I want it to be part of our fabric. Um, I want it to be part of who we are so that people understand the need to do it and not just in, in, in doing it doesn't come before the need, if you will. When they say, you know, if a, if a board member comes to me and says something to the effect of, I want us to learn to be more empathetic about this, whatever that is. We want to have that conversation and then all of a sudden portrait becomes a vehicle we can use to bring those things to life um, as opposed to doing it the other way around and saying we're going to fit into this box. So we've really talked with our staff, our administrative staff in particular, about how we can transform uh, what uh, the adults carry with them every day. How do we look? How do we show up for work? How do we present to our kids? What types of environments do we keep create for kids? And so we're slowly trickling that out with the adults and then the kids are going to be, I, I'm, I'm not even concerned about how they're going to be engaged. I know they'll be excited about that. Uh, but the adults here, it's been difficult to, to get them to move away from what always has been. Like, we've always done it this way. We've always, it's always looked this way. It doesn't have to always look that way. Um, and so to get them to think about the problems we face as opportunities, I think this is one vehicle that helps us do that. So having those conversations early on, have I think it's put new notions in their minds. And now they're saying, oh, wait a minute. We want to be able to have our kids, all of our kids be able to do this, this and this. Yes, exactly. So let's work. So we'll be able to kick off that work very shortly uh, to create what that's going to look like for our entire district. Uh, our community definitely wants that. But in many respects, uh, we've had to have conversations with them also. because They're very interested in how we produce kids who come out and can fill jobs. And, 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 and that's all well and good. That's something we need to be responsible for. I choose to look at it from a different orientation. However, I think my job, our jobs, are to create opportunities for kids to have choice and to do anything that they want to do. And if they choose to go into our community and, and fill those roles, great, fantastic. But we shouldn't just prepare them just for that. I need to prepare my kids for a global industry uh, and global opportunities that carry them in anywhere they might want to go. And then hopefully, we can entice them enough to be able to stay here in our community. Uh, so we've had those types of conversations also about how this isn't just about uh, how one sector of our community benefits, it's about how everyone benefits. More importantly, how do our kids benefit long-term? A 21st century education purposefully integrates rigorous academic content with the skills and mindsets that prepare students for success now and in the future. Does your school system have a future-focused vision for every student? Our portrait of a graduate design process helps you build a unifying collective vision by engaging your community. 
educators, students, elected officials, community members, and families. Bringing together these diverse perspectives is essential for enduring educational transformation. Battel for Kids has supported hundreds of school systems across the country in designing their unique portrait of a graduate. We would be honored to support your important work too. Visit bfk.org portrait to learn more and get started with your school system's portrait of a graduate. That's bfk.org portrait. I love that. And we also know that our kids, even if they do enter the workforce, how many times they're going to change jobs. This, this, the world is changing a lot. Absolutely. And it's going to be very different for our young people um, than it has been for us mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. So I love how you, how you describe that. Um, so it sounds like you're planting seeds, every opportunity you have. There's um, a lot of that. <laughs> so, so when when the time comes, those dots you'll be able to connect those those dots, and you know um, I think that's important. And I'm I'm assuming everywhere you're talking, wherever you have a chance, you're kind of planting seeds around um, helping really shift people's thinking beyond the way we've always done things <laughs> to right. maybe maybe these new opportunities, as you put it, which I think is is wonderful. Uh, before I get you get to the end, where I want you to really give us some how you would advise other new leaders in engaging this work. I want to, I want to go back to uh, an earlier comment you made really around kind of these challenges of the urban condition, you know, having kids in poverty, um, gaps in learning that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, in, I've, I've led urban systems too. And that deficit thinking is so pervasive in circumstances, whether it's a district that is an urban kind of center or even schools that sit within school districts that mm-hmm. uh, are unique and different because of the challenges that come, you know, um, with it. But I find it so interesting that that deficit thinking will sometimes prevent them from considering portrait of a graduate as a way to really um, elevate learning for all kids in the system. They say, ah, oh, we can't do that. Because our kids don't, our kids need to learn the basic skills. Mm-hmm. Okay, our kids are not ready for that. That's mm-hmm. for the the GT kids or those wealthy kids on the other side of town or in that other community. So, how do you? I mean, what are your thoughts on that kind of mindset that is alive and well in so many urban systems, and why you believe that Portrait for Graduate does work in urban systems? Yeah, I think the uh, the whole notion of deficit thinking is certainly pervasive, uh, and it's something we have to combat on a daily basis here because we're very used to saying what kids can't do. Uh, we don't focus necessarily on what they can do. Uh, we'll talk a lot about the rules they break, but not necessarily the value that they bring to the table. Uh, we're very we've historically been very uh, compliance driven, and we want kids to be orderly and quiet and uh, and, and not necessarily have agency or voice. Um, and so we're really talking about the importance of doing it and saying, you know, when folks say things like, well, yeah, the, the gifted and talented kids, they get to do such and such. Well, why do those kids come to school? Because they get to do new and different, exciting things. If we did the same things based on the interests of our other kids, might they do the same thing? And, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about this whole notion of control and compliance that people tend to focus on and say, and I asked the question, well, has it worked? <laughs> it's not working. Why don't we try something that's a little bit different? Uh, so that's helped us at least start the conversation. 
Um, and then you have to continue to hit people with it on a regular basis. When you feel as though they're slipping back into this orientation to be deficit minded, you've got to say you, you, you're thinking in deficits again. I need you to think about the assets kids bring to the table. Um, I've given the illustration about uh, what grading for equity looks like. So we're going to start having those types of conversations. And that's very, very transformational for a district like uh, like ours. And it, you have to be strategic. We have to go slow and bring people along because we've been doing it the same way for a very, very long time um, and accepted the fact that it doesn't work for certain kids. We've just said, OK, yeah, we expect a segment of our kids to not be successful. That's not acceptable to me. Um, we, we've got to think very differently about that whole notion. So this work drives success for those kids. Um, the kids who are the, the least amount, have the least amount of engagement or the least interested in school need this more than the kids who are the gifted and talented kids. Those kids are going to learn regardless of the adults we put in front of them. Um, they couldn't care less about what adult comes in and works with them. They're going to succeed regardless because they also have parent agency and parents have worked with them to give them voice and choice and um, have empowered, given them ability to be empowered with making decisions and thinking. Our kids who come from more challenging situations haven't been given those options. I guess for me, that's really passionate. I'm very, very passionate about that because I was one of those kids. I come from that type of background uh, where we didn't have a lot of opportunity and it was very limited. And even in some folks at school, uh, try to place expectations on me to say, you can only do this. And, you know, my mom wasn't having it. I wasn't having it. And fortunately, I had some other teachers that come to the table and say, no, you're better than this. We can have you do something else, even when I didn't think I could do it myself. Um, so I tell our kids all the time, I'm not special. I'm not doing anything you can't do. You can overcome any of those circumstances. And these types of opportunities can present that for kids. Um, that's why I think it's important to continue to push it. And if Districts like ours are going to ever be transformational. We have to get away from being a deficit-minded district. Uh, we have to think about uh, how we can better resource and better support and open up opportunities for kids to be uh, individuals, not just widgets, if you will, that we put out each year. Um, we talked about what teaching and learning can look like. A very simple example, having just rows of kids, 30 kids in, the, in a class, and they're just simple five rows of six and the teachers at the front of the class and it's saves on the stage type orientation. That's, that's not what teaching and learning needs to look like in the 21st century. Our kids need to see something different. They need to be able to engage differently. Uh, and those kids who are disengaged, we need to find out why and then give them reasons to want to come to school and be engaged. Um, that would require us to be uh, more intentional by how we construct classroom education, uh, instruction, uh, more intentional about the programs we develop, the classes we offer, uh, the opportunities for credentials and uh, certificates and things of that nature that we offer and actually being purposeful of building that mm -hmm. across our entire district. So that's the work. That's the long term work we have here. And this the portrait work is going to be a huge component of how we get that done. Yeah. And I, I um, it, it's also very, very interesting. You know, the, the research on learning has significantly changed. We know so much more about how young people best learn since the 1990s and our school systems haven't changed that much since mm -hmm. the 1990s. That's right. Um, and I think some of our, you know, you and I've been both engaged in school improvement kind of work for a long time, turning, turning around schools, right. Turning around schools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that traditional kind of, a, those are traditional approaches that people thought, you know, let's go to the schools that are underperforming and the things that we were doing in those schools were counter to the research around learning. 
And sometimes it's really hard to break those old it is. mindsets around, you know, you know, if you go look at a lot of school districts where they have struggling schools and you go into those classrooms and that'll be some of the lowest levels, like you just described, Mel, some of the lowest um, levels of learning mm-hmm. going on in those classrooms and low engagement. Um, and so that's got, got to change. And that's, to change. that's hard to change, hard to change as you described. Right. No question. I think some people think, you know, school improvement is about changing the kids. We're not changing the kids. If the same kids that come to school every day, we've got to change conditions that they walk into. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So in our last kind of uh, few questions I want to ask you is, you know, we have a lot of superintendents that will call us because they're intrigued with this work. They want to lead something transformational and mm-hmm. something that can be sustained over time, something that's enduring. Um, what advice would you have for new leaders around this work, around 21st century deeper learning? Um, one of the pieces of advice I would say to encourage them to do it, first of all, is to get them to understand that while it's an exercise that creates these competencies that you want all kids to have, and you create these great, these fantastic graphics that you can put in the classroom and you can live by them. I think more so than that, it gives you a chance to engage with the community in ways that you didn't expect you could. Um, how do we change communities We at schools? We have to be able to engage in creative and different ways. And the old fashioned ways of, you know, coming to PTA meetings or having the curriculum nights and things of that nature, those, I don't want to say they're passe, but if you want to be transformational, this work, engages you in conversations that look very, very different and make people, in a sense, in your community, own the work that's being done at your school. So seeing the bigger reason for doing it, the, the, the primary reason, obviously, is to benefit kids so that we can put that on the side. We know that's why we do all this work. But if you're really interested in how we create connection with community and get them invested in the long-term work and see themselves as a part of it, this exercise, the, this work, is a huge opportunity for, you, for that to happen. Um, hey, would you so, say it builds positive will? No question about it. Because you can't help but have positive conversations about the work. You're like, mm-hmm. you're not coming in here, you know, to a meeting to discuss the competencies we want our kids to have and still be talking about the fight that took place last week at one of the high schools. Right. You're talking about building character. You're talking about how they're going to contribute to the community. You're talking about how they're going to be empathetic to their fellow man how they're going to be able to work together and go work anywhere in the world and be successful. So it changes the conversation and it makes people uh, who may even bring that deficit mindset to the table all of a sudden have to shift because now the forces around them don't allow them to continue to stay in that place to have those types of conversations. Uh, So I think that for me is the part that I think is most, most beneficial to the community, if you will. Because now they're part of building that. And they can say, you know, 10 years from now, yeah, we built that. And look at what's happening now with our kids. Look at what they're able to do. And they can see themselves in that work. So I think that's that's the piece I think that's so, so important about what happens outside of each school building. Um, and having them be part of that conversation is important. And I would also encourage them to try to get people who haven't had voice uh, to, to have a prominent voice. Uh, typically in communities, particularly like ours, you know, the politicians, the, the business leaders, the civic leaders, they're going to be the ones talking about thus and so. I'm really interested in how uh, the single mom who doesn't get an opportunity to have these kinds of conversations, I want to see what she brings to the table. I can speak for my own mom who was a single mom and how smart and 
uh, how how with it she was and what she could have brought to the table if given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often go in communities and we we have these meetings and we talk, well, we want to do this for the community. It needs this and this and this. But we never really ask the community what they need. Uh, I think this gives you a great opportunity to have what you mentioned earlier as a grassroots uh, um, um, exercise that changes the game for your whole community and gets people engaged in conversations that make them want to watch schools transform and be part of that work. Um, so that's that's what I would say from the standpoint of what happens outside of classrooms. That is so, so beneficial. Um, and it's it's not just an exercise. I think it's a uh, it's a mindset shift that makes people see possibility, not just the current situation. How did you equip yourself? And because there's a part of this where you have to develop your deep understanding around the work so that you can lead it and help other people see the possibilities. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did you go about equipping yourself? Um, I think for me, it was very easy for me to say, first of all, to admit that I don't have all the answers. And so I love the fact that we could have someone from uh, Battelle to come in and lead that work with us. And I can just be a participant mm-hmm. where people aren't threatened by the position of the title and I can contribute where I can contribute. Um, so I think you have to have a, a sense of humility and a sense of uh, uh, courage, if you will, to give this over to someone and let them lead it and let other people have the first voice in the, in the room uh, to be able to be quiet in moments where you really want to say something. Sometimes I've, I've had to pinch myself and say, mm-hmm, not yet. You can't talk yet. <laughs> let others talk first, because I know if I say something, it's going to influence what everybody else says. Um, so that's part of how I've gone about doing it. Um, I also know that. I, I try to base that upon the things I would have liked to have seen when I was a student. Um, and when we're talking about um, global orientation, I've all, when I was in high school, I always thought that way, but I didn't know that, that I was actually thinking that way because our school obviously wasn't thinking in that, in that fashion. I want us to have that kind of uh, thought process for our kids. And so um, the planting of seeds, the strategic conversations, the, the comment here and there, to influence the conversation is, is really, really important. But I think for me, it's the hardest thing. The thing I really had to do was take a back seat and let the work make itself happen. And I, I couldn't be the one to actually lead it because it will become my plan, not our plan. Well, you've, you mentioned earlier around kind of seeing what other districts are doing. I mean, to some extent, um, you know, there, I, w- I would say your, your state, I'm excited about the work that you're going to be leading. Um, but there's not a lot of districts in your state that I would consider kind of big innovators if you look yeah. at the national landscape. Yeah. Um, and it's not a criticism. I just think it's a just reality. Know, it's a, it's but there's a lot of opportunity, right, mm-hmm. to to begin to push that envelope. But you paid attention to the national landscape. No question about so it. In terms of equipping yourself, you've been very engaged nationally in some of these conversations. How has that helped you uh, prepare you to lead the work? In whatever um, it's given me a chance to see what it could be. Um, and I think it's given me also the ability to allow others to see it somehow, even through our words or even to expose them to things. So, um, you know, coming to Montgomery in July and we just came into the Atlanta 21 network in September, October. So having a chance to go to the annual event and bring some of our folks, their eyes were wide open to the possibilities because they're saying, oh, wow, they're doing this oh, wow, they're dealing with some of the same things we're doing, but yet they're doing this. And, um, you know, I think there's so much value in being able to see and share ideas across districts in that way. Mm -hmm. 
And then also, I think our folks realize, well, we're doing this really, really well. We can share this. Yes. Uh, so it gives us some validation in that regard. Uh, so being engaged in that way um, has certainly helped me grow. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to help our entire district grow just by having another exposure. Um, we, our district has not been um, that active in things that have happened in the national scene. And uh, we, we as a team now want to change that. We want to be active. We want to see those types of things. Uh, we sent some folks out to uh, Compton Unified a few weeks ago to see some of the work they're doing out there. And they came back so charged up and amazed saying, you know what? The things I thought about Compton are not the things that happen in Compton. But yeah, because the, the media doesn't really tell the story. And that's the same thing here. What you we see in the news is not truly all the work that happens on a daily basis. So I think it, it brought them back with a sense of pride in that we are doing some of the right things. We are able to, to move and innovate and do things in different, in different ways. And so I think it gives them an opportunity to get excited about the work again. Um, so for me, that's what drives me. I know what it can be uh, based on what I've been able to see. And um, if I had to come to work every day and just live in the, in the here and now every single day, that work would be incredibly boring. Uh, so thinking about possibilities, that's been opened up by just being exposed to new and different things. And, and sometimes those pockets of innovation, that innovation is not occurring in your region, wherever right. you are. And so if it's you're looking not. at your neighbors for what they're doing, um, sometimes you're not really seeing the, the true possibility uh, unless you're looking you know, more broadly. That's right for us. I think our neighbors look to us to see innovation. And if we're so if we're not feeling innovative, then, you know, who's benefiting? So we've got to be able to get exposed on a more on a wider scale. Well, Melvin, I just want to just thank you so much for your time today, your thank generosity you. uh, with your time. I know you're a very busy man, but you're always willing to support other school leaders. You know, our national ne network at Leader 21, uh, you're such a contributor, a positive contributor. I just want you to know how much we appreciate it. Uh, and we, always stand, we always stand ready to help you because we consider you a, a you know, friend and, and valued partner. So thank you for your time today thank and for you. the wonderful work, wonderful work you're leading in Montgomery County Public Schools. I just want to say I think they're very, very fortunate to have you. Um, you know, kudos to the board for seeing the, your talent. And uh, there's going to be some really, really amazing things that you do in Montgomery County Public Schools. Thank you. I'm going to make thank sure I play so this for them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Melvin, for your time today. Thank you. Talk to you soon. See you soon. Melvin Brown has served as superintendent of Montgomery Public Schools in Montgomery, Alabama since 2022. He has 21 years of school administrative experience, serving as superintendent, deputy superintendent, and director of human resources. Additionally, he has experience as an elementary and middle school principal. You can learn more about Montgomery Public Schools in this episode's show notes. The Ed Spark Podcast with Dr. Karen Garza is a production of Battelle for Kids. Visit bfk.org to learn more about how we are helping to transform education systems nationwide. That's bfk.org. <laughs>